What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here, and we're moving forward today with David Sloan, Maryland Director of No Kid Hungry, Share Our Strength, a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting kids in need with nutritious food while teaching families how to cook and prepare healthy, affordable meals. I strongly encourage you to check out their website at nokidhungry.org. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm good, John. Thanks for having me. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I know we had a few technical glitches there, but I'm so glad <laughs> that we're able to get you on because you do such important work, and I really, really want to share your story with our listeners. So, David, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you know how your career path led you to this great organization. Well, that's a winding road, but I'm happy <laughs> to kind of talk that through. I love um, those the most. The winding roads are the most fun to me. <laughs> They really are. Um, I, I will say that, uh, you know, I spent a long time working in government and actually democratic politics mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Maryland. I had a very, very fantastic stint working for Governor O'Malley, who is uh, one of my heroes. It was governor of Maryland for two terms. Mm-hmm. Um and I got a chance to work with him over that time period, uh, not only uh in state government, but also as director of the Maryland Democratic Party uh, in the 2012 cycle uh, when we reelected President Obama and um, had a lot of success in Maryland. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, not to go into too much detail, but I got a chance to kind of weed in and out of a work uh, in state government uh, and, inter- and a chance to interface with organizations around the state that are doing really great work led by Democrats, Republicans, independent people who are active in their community and their churches, um, in their food banks, you know, in their community centers, folks who focus on teens or seniors. I got a chance to see a lot of, I think, organizational muscle in Maryland. Yeah. That's indicative of, you know, organizations that do a lot of great work on the ground across the country. And, Actually, a funny story is that, you know, while working uh, in state government in the early years uh, of the O'Malley administration, I was the press conference guy in Mm. communications. And one of the first press conferences that I got a chance to plan was in 2007, 2008, where then the governor and Share Our Strength national co-founder, Billy Shore, held a press conference in Maryland uh, to announce that Maryland was going to work to inch out hunger by 2015. Wow. I know it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was in Baltimore. And I think I, I do recall that at the time, uh, state superintendent of schools, Nancy Grasmick was, was there. And it was really just a pronouncement that uh, the state was going to bring together every relevant entity, whether that be public private or NGO to focus on child hunger and try and end it in Maryland. Now we didn't end it by 2015. I know we didn't end it by 2015, but we made so much progress and we'll get into that. 
But, you know, you know, there there was the kind of glance at share our strength through that lens of communications. And then along the way, got a chance to kind of see the organization work in partnership with the state government on child hunger and driving down the rate of food insecurity among children for years and got familiar with their work. And then after, um, you know, 2013, uh, the last year of the O'Malley administration, I was you know, looking for something to do next. And there was an opportunity at Sarah Strength oh, uh, cool. to take over their Maryland program. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, and it's been really, really great. Yeah, it really has been. awesome. And uh, David, I mean, is this something that, you know, based on your career path, and you said you had a windy road. I mean, when you were growing up, is this something you ever imagined or pictured yourself doing? No, not child hunger specifically. No, I didn't. And, um, that's it's kind of it's really really amazing you know how you'll you'll dream a dream and it'll take you to a place where you really feel fulfilled yeah. um you know i always dreamed of working for positive causes right mm-hmm. one of the reasons why i did a lot of work in the government and political fields but this is part of that you know when yeah. you really you get older and you mature and you really think about you know every day that you have is, you know, one day that you don't have in the future, you want to use that day to do as much good as possible and use whatever skills you've accumulated to do the best work you can for whatever constituency you're trying to serve. But at the end of the day, the foundation of that belief is that your time should be spent serving. And if you are blessed with an opportunity to go to work, get a job that pays you to serve people because not everyone has that option. Right. You might as well take advantage of it if it, if it comes your way. So I think that's great. And I don't think it's an accident, but this episode is airing on Independence Day, July 4th of 2017. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you, as someone who has served in, in politics and is now taking on this incredible mission, I'm, I'm going to switch up the questions just a little bit. So tell, sure. tell our listeners, what, is, what does July 4th mean to you in terms of the work that you're doing and the mission that, that you are serving with NoKidHungry.org? Uh, Wow, that's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, you know, Independence Day means, you know, the same to me as I think it means to a majority of Americans. And then we celebrate that we are a free nation. And, you know, when we fought for our independence in 1776, uh, our nation was realizing a part of that freedom, <laughs> you yes. know. And over time, uh, the, the, the meaning of a, free, of a free nation as it pertains to Americans has evolved and it has expanded. And it's a great testament to our constitution, to the beliefs that our founding fathers had, even though not all of them shared the same specific beliefs about people, (laughs) but their principles have, you know, really enabled this country to grow into what we fight for today, a place that welcomes any and everyone um, and gives everyone the opportunity to thrive and to fight for their families to thrive. And I think in terms of my job, you know, what it means to me even more is that, you know, in this country with all our wealth, you know, people should have the freedom to live without hunger. Yeah. Right. Without the worry of it, you know, you know, living in a free society is, should also mean here that we're living, you know, free from, worry that the basic needs that we have can't be met. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And so, you know, we're all fighting for expanded opportunity. 
and the freedom to pursue that opportunity. But kids who, you know, live with hunger as their companion are really limited and they, they really are limited to their, in their ability to maximize that potential, um, to grow and be strong enough to fight for or obtain opportunities that are available to them. And so, you know, when you really get deeply into the weeds of it all, you know, a kid that's hungry, you know, goes to a school that has a dedicated teacher and it, and hopefully that school has resources and there's a lot of debate about that. Um, and hopefully that, hopefully that school and that community provides that kid with opportunities to grow into an adult and to excel and to grow intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, you know, and into a healthy, you know, leader or a healthy contributor to society. But if along the way, every day that kid is worried about his or her next meal or the lack of that kid's ability to eat enough nutritious food to develop the way he or she is supposed to intellectually, mentally, physically, that is really, really taking away from his actual or her actual freedom to grow healthy, right? And to access, you know, opportunities and to maximize that potential. So when we're thinking about Independence Day and the 4th of July, you know, we need to think about the right for every American to live their lives free of entanglements or impediments uh, that prevent them from, you know, achieving their full God-given potential. Yeah, I love that. And it's really the definition of moving forward. So David, I really appreciate you sharing that. So I I want to know, along your journey, I mean, you've had an incredible career, you've worked in politics, so, I mean, was there a time when when the light bulb went off for you when you realized my this is my mission, this is my vocation, and I, I love how passionate you are about the mission of NoKidHungry.org. And tell us a, tell us a little bit about that in your own journey. Well, the light bulb went off when I really got a chance to learn about the organization. Yeah. And look, we we all you know today have we kind of live in a world where the expectation is no longer to stay in the same job for 30 years, you know, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, don't get me wrong. That is stability. If you've got, you know, the opportunity to, to live a life with that career path, stability and uh, predictability <laughs> and being able to plan out your life is, is, is really a, a benefit of living in this country. But now a lot of folks, you know, who are in their twenties and thirties and forties, you know, they've lived in the culture where, you don't know what you're going to do in the next two or three years yeah. or four or five. So for me, you know, transitioning from political work or broader government work to No Kid Hungry specifically became very attractive when I got a chance to learn about how the organization provides accountability and is metrics metrics based in its approach to actually solving the problem of ending child hunger. Yeah you know, uh, analyzing or analyzing like where the gap is in communities or counties or states in terms of the amount of kids that should be accessing three meals a day who are not, um, assessing what government opportunities are available, you know, most notably the child nutrition program funded meals through the USDA that provide reimbursements to school districts for, or sponsors in the community for serving, uh, breakfast or lunch or dinner to kids that are to qualify for free and reduced meals. You know, that, that resource is there. And for the longest time decades, it wasn't maximized. So no kid hungry was simply a place where when I got to learn more about how the campaign works, 
you know, really felt like home. You know, oh, the yeah. idea was to every quarter, every year, the goal is to ensure that X amount of kids more are accessing a meal or a more meal. Right. And that is a tangible goal. And it's measured through the funding that, you know, the organization spends and the funding that it draws down from the federal government by way of, you know, pushing and granting and giving resources to partners to expand the way they serve meals, you know, creating kind of the the link, the missing link in the triangle of access. You know, no can have you stepping in and saying, well, school A, you should be serving X amount of more breakfasts to your kids and you're only serving it in the cafeteria. But if we gave you $5,000 and you served breakfast in the classroom to all those students, you'd be serving 500 more kids. And by the way, you'll be reimbursed for all those meals. So why aren't you doing it? Oh, and by the way, it then makes, you know, the program nationally through the USDA more credible. And so it's finding, you know, where the gaps are in this very, uh, <laughs> in this very resourced country of ours and getting it to the people who don't have the resources in which that is a crime, yeah. you know, they should have what they need. And so, you know, from someone who's worked in government and you like to, you work for principals that, um, principals, meaning elected officials who, you know, hopefully craft policy. That means X is going to happen after you implement X program with X dollars. You should see this result. Or if you're working in a campaign, you need to get X amount of votes by, you need to talk to X amount of people by a certain amount of time. You know, this is a very, very interesting place to go work after that past experience, because all of the, you know, all of the work that I had done uniquely kind of made my mind <laughs> and equip my mind for this kind of thinking. And I also love the eclectic nature of who works at No Kid Hungry because you have a lot of folks who have worked in government and in campaigns and in politics for great causes. But then there are also the folks who come from backgrounds as educators yeah. or principals or food and service directors or folks who had worked on you know similar causes that benefit those who are less fortunate than than others those who are economically challenged and it's a, just a great atmosphere of folks oh, i love it so i hope that makes sense absolutely you know, long i love <laughs> a couple of big takeaways i love the fact that although you've had a long as you described it windy road that your it, your vocation now really calls back on a lot of your past experiences, but also the, the, how the the mission of the organization really called to you as you got to know it, and that's really when that light bulb went off. And I think that's really important, especially when you are devoting your life and your career to serving others. And I, I absolutely love that, and just how you tied that all in in your career journey. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, John. Well, David, are you ready for the knowledge burst session? Yes, yeah, sure. All right. Well, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. I'm going to tweak it just slightly, but I'm going to start off by asking you, uh, David, along your career journey, has there been a particular media source? And when I say media source, pick one. It can be a movie, book, song, or it could be a cultural experience. Pick one and share with our listeners that inspired you to move forward. First of all, uh, to your listeners, I know this is, uh, you know, and I am um, someone who is really a, a celebrate. I celebrate uh, the vast diversity of the American culture, but I'll start with obviously my faith is a big part of who I am. You know, I grew up in a Methodist household. My mother, before she passed away, with a, was a Methodist, Methodist minister, so I really take the Bible seriously. Yeah. Um, and you know, I take my faith very seriously, and it is 
uh, when when applied, I think correctly, right? You realize that that we have a mandate to love and to serve, not to judge or to really tear down, right? And through you know diligence and hard work and prayer, you really can you know let God fight your battles, and then you just do the work you're supposed to do. Yeah. So that's number awesome. one. Number two, oh, two number me. two. I, <laughs> okay, that's great. I do. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm going to give you a source that you know more broadly. A source of inspiration for me has been just the collection of like uh, available history documentaries, actually. Uh, I love the History Channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I specifically love like uh, documentaries about the presidents and about Congress ah, <laughs> and about things yeah. that we've done, yeah. things that we, you know, the way the country's grown. I am a huge like PBS frontline documentary <laughs> junkie. Uh, and this <laughs> so. In terms of inspiration, like leaders who have come through, uh, who have who have served, who have first and foremost been like focused on social justice issues, have kind of always been an inspiration. But also, you know, I, I try and do my homework and try and be a student of history, and it's amazing how much our country's been through mm-hmm. huge movements that defined cultures and people in us, and you know, we continue to come back, but the. But what remains always is, you know, a have and a have not nature. And I think that that's always a part of civilization. But we as a country have always, you know, decided to set out to provide the opportunity for everyone to thrive. And I've just been fascinated by this country who seems to get it right sometimes and really wrong on, you know, on others. So in terms of inspiration, you know, I kind of look around and, you know, I that, that that's the big picture in terms of history and what's available. But I'd say, you know, if you when you have the big picture and then you look kind of locally in the state of Maryland where you've grown up, but there are a lot of leaders, you know, there are a lot of inspirational people in neighborhoods and who lead organizations and who I've got a chance to meet. And they are not interested in fame or fortune or status. Right. They are interested in really just serving their community. And whether they're a pastor or they're just a neighborhood organizer or they're a community farm gardener <laughs> or slash gardener um, or they're boys and girls club director, you know, these people take their job seriously and they have really been inspiring. You know, when you meet someone who who just, you know, their world is kind of their block and they want to see the kids in their block do well. You know, there's something if you're really paying attention, you you really are seeing something special. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot there. There was a, there's not one thing I'd say. There's I think you named some pretty good ones. Well, David, share with our listeners for those people who may be interested in serving a cause or maybe joining a nonprofit. Share one career tip that you have for that listener. Well, I'd say be patient with yourself Mm -hmm. and open and open your mind up to a new way of thinking. Right as you go from nonprofit to nonprofit. There's so much out there to pull to, to really try and wrap your head around, number one. And the mentality is to go in and save the world. And there are a lot of setbacks along the way in your quest to save the world. But the important thing to remember is, you know, one victory, one person served, one person helped, more one one more person who is now more aware of the issue you fight for. And takes it seriously is a huge win. Yeah, I like that. It's a huge. Win. That's a good one, right? Absolutely, David. Share with our listeners. I mean, considering that uh, the work that you do, you're so involved with it. How do you recharge your batteries or reboot when you feel like you've hit a wall or a roadblock? 
Um, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. I, there are a couple of things personally. One, I think that you have to have work-life balance, even though that's something that I just don't, I haven't achieved well enough. <laughs> I just have it. Um, but I think you've got to make sure that you are, you know, creatively, uh, tending to your mind, spirit, and body. You know, I spend a lot of time, uh, <laughs> focusing on music and sports. Oh, yeah. I do. Um, and, and, and obviously like church, um, and family. Right. But there, you know, I try and carve out real dedicated time for those things because I'm just a better person when I can step away and grow in those other areas. That's awesome. Hey, moving forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out audible and Amazon prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. All right, David, are you ready to do a little time travel? Sure, absolutely. We're going to go back, and you can choose however many years you want to go back, but choose a point in your life where maybe you had to make a tough decision, a a tough career decision, where you had a pivotal decision to make. What is one lesson, tip, or piece of advice that you would like to share with your younger past self? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think for me, (laughs) I, I think for me it was... 2006, 2005, where I'd actually just finished college and was looking for grad school. And then in my spare time, right, in that time where I was looking and trying to like figure out what was next, wanting to get, in, wanting to get involved in public service, I um, ended up interning for the O'Malley Brown campaign for then Mayor O'Malley uh, in 2000, early 2005. Or, yeah. And then later that fall, uh, I was offered the job to be a county campaign manager in the DC suburbs. And I remember being very hesitant to take that job. Mm. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Um, and so many people came in and we won. And, you know, it's not about, you know, I'm not going to go into why, you know, we're, it was a great campaign. We had a great candidate. But what I remember is being so afraid of the fact that I didn't have the proper background for what I thought was a dream job of mine, mm-hmm. you know, cause I wanted to do, I went to the Berkeley college of music, you know, I got out of there and, you know, thought I had to like play catch up and I got to get into grad school immediately. I got to get this other side of my, my, my dream built. I got to be prepared. I got to be prepared. And I was very insecure, but you know, I, I've always had a great attitude and tried to, and tried to lead with hard work to catch up for anything that I don't know. <laughs> but I remember us winning and then getting the next job and then the next job and working in government and then being the, you know, getting the opportunity to be the state party director in 2012. And the feeling of like, well, this job is bigger than what I can do. You know, it, it didn't, it followed me in all, and through all those steps. And it was a source of fear and anxiety and, and it was a source of, and, 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 you know, thank God, like I had a lot of great support and a lot of great help and, and, you know, I, I never led with, you, you never lead with um, hubris or with, uh, you know, kind of a know-it-allness. And so that was really, really disarming to people who had been in the fields of work that I had been introducing myself to. But I would say for, for me back then, 
is luck. Everything may not always turn out great because in my career, everything didn't always turn out great. You know, I had some ups and downs, but I had a lot of ups. But going in and kind of if, if, if a couple of things are true, then you're going to be OK. Yeah. One, if you realize that no one knows everything and if your heart's in the right place to do the best job you can and you realize that asking for help and being vulnerable about what you don't know is not a weakness. It's a strength. Then you're going to soar. You're going to attract people who are going to want to stand there with you, teach you, mentor you, protect you, guard you, and, and want to see you succeed. If you then turn around and you value those who come behind you and coach them and you make it a point to be patient with those who you have a chance to work with or work for you, you know, just, you know, there's just a certain kind of mindset that I would say. It took me a while to cut through the fear and anxiety of failing mm -hmm. at an early yeah. age, proper background. But what was always true was, okay, look, you don't know everything. You got to ask questions, but you got to trust that, you know, whether win or fail, if you have the right attitude, you work your butt off and you are sincere about making sure that people who work with you feel like they're being coached, poured into, defended, you know, promoted, then you, that's all you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, and, nice. you know, it's OK. Yeah. So if I had told like past David then that like the principles that you are holding on to are going to be are more at that point in time than your extreme fear, then some of the anxiety would have gone away a lot sooner yeah, well, than years. Just answered my next question. How would past David have responded yeah. to that advice? Well, I don't know what he would have said. <laughs> he would have probably said, well, who is this movie character, dude? <laughs> love it. <laughs> you know, Absolutely love it. Like. EG 13 but lesson that he's telling important me lessons, I think imposter what we call imposter syndrome in the entrepreneurial world sometimes oh, that holds gosh, us back man. and we get in our own heads yeah. more so than reality yeah. does in terms of preventing us and oh, I absolutely gosh. love that you're sharing that today well David great advice how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about the great work that you're doing oh well awesome so number one I would encourage everyone to go to nokihungry.org right? Or no can have Maryland or both. You, you're, you get a chance to see our national website and our state website. Billy and Debbie Shore are the wonderful co-founders of our organization. You should read up on them. Their story is fantastic. There's actually a pretty cool podcast called at called Ad passion and stir. Awesome. You can get it on iTunes. You can actually just Google it and then actually, listen to we'll it online. We'll have it linked on the write up. So absolutely fantastic. Oh, thank you. So you should listen to them. I mean, it's really a great podcast. It, it, it is a kind of celebration of all the people who do the kind of work or who are affected by hunger in uh, various ways and a celebration of the idea that when we all come together, you know, there are solutions available to us. And Billy and Debbie do a great job um, hosting the Fantastic. podcast. Uh, and, you know, I think that the other thing that you – can encourage your listeners to do, or I'd encourage them to do is really, you know, you all, everyone lives in the County. They all live in a city. They all live in a neighborhood. I think it's important to get to know the landscape of your community. Do you know how many kids go to schools in your neighborhood who are food insecure or qualify for free and reduced meals? You should know yeah. every County, every jurisdiction, every neighborhood, you know, has a community or a family that's struggling with food insecurity. And so we need to know that. And there are things that your leaders should be doing. There are things that you can do. And I'll say this finally, that in all of the noise of our national politics, and I follow it 
as much as I can. And I'm interested in a lot of different things. And I focus on the issue that is my job, you know, almost 80% of the time because it forces you to. <laughs> um, but I will say this, you know, we've made a lot of traction in, in raising the awareness of child hunger and the absolute solutions available for child hunger to be ended in the United States. But there's one more, I think, there's one more uh, level that we have to climb to get to the peak of the mountain. And that is getting the issue of child hunger to cut its way to the top or to the front of our national conversation when it comes to politics. You know, the things that we hear are always important, I think, and it's important for us as a country to understand, you know, what's going on. But child hunger, as as it is, as an issue, is not yet at the prominent place it should be when you hear our politicians talk about their priorities. Yeah. When you hear campaigns articulate what is a priority or an issue for a state or for a city, or for a county, child hunger should be what they mention. And if we can get people to focus on the food security of not only children, but of American families should absolutely be commonplace in the conversation. Absolutely. Well, David, I really appreciate that. And we'll have all of that on the write-up. Well, David, I want you to close out the show. So using no more than three or four words, what parting wisdom would you like to pass on to Moving Forward listeners? We can get it done. Oh, I love it. We can get it done. David, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today to share your story and your knowledge bursts so that our listeners can move forward. Thank you, John. And remember, Moving Forward listeners, check it out at bemovingforward.com. Have a great 4th of July, Moving Forward listeners. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Join us next Tuesday for another extraordinary guest. And remember, always be moving forward. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.